Hello and welcome to episode number 137 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always. And on today's episode, we'll break down every team's draft from the NFC South. Only 24 total picks in this division, Tony, with most focused on building up the offensive line and the defense. Yeah, I thought there was a lot of value. Uh, each team at different areas of the draft came away with value players, best to play, best player available. Uh, you know, I don't think there were any real bad drafts out of this division. And we'll move on to the first of these drafts here, and that would be the Carolina Panthers, who in the first round selected Auburn defensive tackle Derek Brown at number seven overall. Probably one of Tony's favorite picks in this entire draft because Brown was arguably his favorite player in the draft. And you know, obviously Brown is just a mountain of a man, a big space eater on the inside. But despite what the combine numbers might tell you, you watch the tape. He's pretty athletic. He can get into the backfield. He can create penetration and disruption. Maybe the sack numbers weren't crazy high, but when you're an interior defensive lineman, a lot of times you're not getting home on those plays. But the fact that you're making the quarterback move off his spot and, and do different things, you know, really impacts the game in a big way. And, and Derek Brown is that kind of impact player who, you know, fell to seven here. I believe he was number two on Tony's board, and I let him kind of wax poetic from here on out. Yeah, didn't uh, get a lot of sack numbers because he was being doubled and triple teamed uh, the past two years. Listen, I, I mean, I could go on for hours, but I won't. Had Derek Brown entered the 2019 draft, he's a top 10 pick. He's a complete three-down defender. I think that when you compare him to Chase Young, Chase Young is obviously a more impactful pass rusher. He's a guy who you know, can alter games with huge plays, but I think Derek Brown is much more the complete player. They're going to have likely have him at nose tackle. I think he'll do fine. there, occupying the gaps, occasionally making big plays. He's got the size. He's got the power. He's also got the intensity. He's got, he's got the intensity. As I said, time and time again, you know, this is the day and age where players don't uh, participate in their college team's bowl game because they want to prepare for the, uh, the combine. And what did Derek Brown do? He comes back for a senior year. He shows up every week, and, and then he plays in what was it—the Outback Steakhouse Bowl, where, where really Auburn had nothing to gain from a, a ranking standpoint, and, and he did a good job. He's he's relatively athletic. You know, people talk about the numbers; it's a bunch of hogwash. The numbers were actually pretty good, I thought, for a guy who's 326 pounds. Don't worry about the 40-time look at the 10 split, which was right up there with the, the top defensive tackles, and watch the film. I, I think this was an outstanding pick uh, by uh, Carolina. Two more selections on defense on day two of the draft, both in the second round. Penn State defensive end Yatur Gross-Matos at number 38 overall, and Southern Illinois safety Jeremy Chin at number 64 overall, the final pick in the second round. And again, Carolina just continuing to address defense. If we want to talk about Derek Brown not being, you know, the big pass rushing threat, well, Gross Matos falling to 38 when a lot of people probably thought he was, you know, an earlier pick on day two, maybe late day one. Um, you know, this is a guy who has athleticism and speed off the edge. You know, his question marks are size. Can he hold up against the run? Is he going to be more than just a one-dimensional pass rusher at the next level? But there's a lot of upside, both in terms of athletic ability and in terms of pass rushing ability in Gross Matos, Jeremy Chin, you know, a guy that, you know, I like to say when we were at the senior bowl, when we had that indoor practice, I was kind of roaming the sidelines and I stood next to Jeremy Chin. And I mean, I'm not big, I'm 5'7", 160 pounds, but I mean, this guy is, he's massive. And the fact that he tested the way he did, um, you know, the fact that, you know, granted, 
a lot of the film and a lot of everything you saw from him at the senior bowl was against better competition than what he put out there on film. But I mean, this is a guy who he just plays football. He can be used in the box. He has some decent cover skills and ball skills as well, but you know, he's going to be a guy that really impacts the game closer to the line of scrimmage just as much as the first two picks for the Panthers. Well, here's the interesting thing with gross Matos. I agree with what you said about him potential late first rounder, early second rounder, uh, never got to run before uh, the draft uh, had a, a uh, hamstring issue at the combine, which kicked, which uh, uh, prevented him from running at the combine. Pro day never took place. You know, a year ago when we were talking about uh, the selection of Brian Burns, I questioned the selection because at the time Carolina was playing a four three, and then a lot of our Panther listeners said, "Hey, you know what? Panthers are going to a three four. Brian Burns is the perfect selection for it." And I agree with them. I apologized. I just don't know how Gross Matos is going to fit a 3-4 now. I mean, I, I think he's a guy that is either better suited standing over tackle or, you know, coming out of a, a three-point stance in a four-man line. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how they use Gross Matos if he is, a, you know, really a good fit for that system. But then again, you know, if they're using Brian Burns up at the line of scrimmage, it's basically a four-man line with one of the uh, linemen who's bas- who was standing up over tackle. Uh, Jeremy Chin, I think, is going to be a day one starter at uh, strong safety. You know, you talked about it. He's an explosive guy. He is a big guy. He's got decent ball skills. I, I think they got uh, where they where Carolina selected him is exactly where he should have gone in the draft. And I would be surprised if he is not a consistent player by the end of his rookie season. Four more picks for the Panthers all on day three. And guess what? They're all defensive players. Notre Dame cornerback Troy Pride at number 113 overall in the fourth round. West Virginia safety Kenny Robinson at 152 in the fifth. Baylor defensive tackle Bravion Roy at 184 in the sixth. And Stanley Thomas Oliver III out of Florida International, the cornerback at 221 in round seven. I mean, if you look at these three defensive backs, one theme between them is they all have good size. Troy Pride is a guy that many people would have had higher going into the season kind of struggled in 2019, but getting him in the fourth round, even for people that aren't super high on him is excellent value based on just his size and his athletic ability. And and ultimately what his upside can make him at the NFL level, Kenny Robinson. You know, if anyone here watched the XFL, you definitely saw Kenny Robinson uh, play a little bit. He was dismissed from West Virginia and decided instead of fully prepping for the draft that he was going to go and and still continue to play some football. Um, was a guy definitely rising up as we talked about on this podcast in the last couple of weeks before the draft. Ravion Roy, another Shrine game standout. Uh, Carolina really doubling down on, on nose tackles here. Uh, Roy is a guy who can back up Derek Brown, really provide some punch in a rotational role. So it's interesting to see Carolina double up on that position. And then Stanley Thomas Oliver, you know, another guy, good size, decent player. Again, it's a seventh round pick. So, you know, even if you don't expect these guys to get drafted, a lot of times what you're doing in the seventh round is you're just drafting a player to get ahead of him potentially being a UDFA so that you don't have to battle other teams to sign him after the draft. Yeah, I mean, uh, Troy Pride's career kind of parallels Julian Love's career. Julian Love, who came out as a junior, uh, is now the starting uh, – Is not, I'm sorry, is now a free safety with the New York Giants, kind of a nickel, uh, a nickel back. But in the sense that the year prior to him entering the draft was the better year, as you said. And, you know, if Troy Pride was able to enter the draft off the 2018 film, it's probably a top uh, 45 selection. His play slid last year, as did the Julian Lowe's play uh, prior to him, him entering the draft. Still an excellent selection where they got him in round four. Kenny Robinson, if you listen to any of our podcasts in the lead up to the draft, 
I said that Kenny Robinson was a guy that no one was talking about, but the scouts loved him. There were some teams that had him graded as high as the third uh, round choice. Uh, he went in the fifth round, which is where I had him on my board. Kenny Robinson was a guy who had a terrific campaign in 2018 at West Virginia. Off that 2018 film, I graded him as a fifth rounder, was dismissed from the program because of academic prior, uh, improprieties. Uh, last year did not play at 2019 at West Virginia and academic improprieties is different from academic ineligibility played what three or four games at the, uh, in the NX XFL uh, really turned on a, a lot of teams, a lot of scouts. It was surprising that he played in the XFL and was still eligible for the draft. You thought that the team maybe could have signed him as a, uh, as a free agent, but still fifth round was a terrific uh, area form uh, or a terrific spot form with Carolina picked him up. Bravery and Roy, I had him as a seventh rounder. They went, they selected him in the sixth rounder. Bravery and Roy at times was absolutely dominant during Shrine Game practices. I mean, a man amongst boys. Uh, he's a big, stout guy. He is someone who can be an overpowering player. He flashes ability as a playmaker. So he's sort of like a, a, a mini Derek Brown as far as talent's concerned. Roy's got to learn to be more consistent playing uh, with, with a pad level and, and knee bend. Stanley Thomas Oliver was sort of a latecomer uh, in the sense that he was not graded by scouts coming into the year, had a big senior campaign, went to the uh, combine. I thought he was okay. Uh, I mean, it, it was, it, it wasn't a guy who really, uh, he's more of a size speed guy who's really got to learn uh, to become a defensive back. If he makes a roster, it's going to be as a ninth defensive back. Who's going to really have to stand out on special teams. A good draft for Carolina on the defensive side of the football after the draft, they did sign a couple offensive players as well. One of them, Rodney Smith, running back out of Minnesota, a guy we've discussed on the show before. The 5'11", about 205 pounds. Okay speed, but is a very good runner, good vision, solid instincts. Has had lots of injury issues in the past, which was the major reason he fell out of the draft. But he can also catch the football. You know, a solid guy who could provide some depth at the NFL level. And Chris Orr, linebacker out of Wisconsin, He's small. He's not particularly athletic, but he is a good player. At the very least, this is a guy that you could throw on a special teams unit, and he's going to run down there, and he's going to play like his hair is on fire. Um, you know, had very good production at Wisconsin. You know, just not a guy who you're going to see as a productive NFL linebacker, most likely, but could catch on as a backup and special team. You know, I'm happy to say, I think they sound like 17, 18 uh, guys after the draft, undrafted free agents. And we have reports on all but three of them at uh, Pro Football Network. I mean, some of the guys who really caught my eye, Brandon Bowen of Ohio State could be an inexpensive utility backup offensive tackle. Giovanni Riccio of Western Michigan. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the roster. Uh, you, you look at the depth chart uh, at Carolina at the tight end position. I mean, it's basically Ian Thomas, a uh, guy they drafted a couple of years ago, and then it's wide open. Giovanni Ricci is sort of an oversized receiver more of a move tight end someone who you know uh, like, like some of the other players was not graded by scouts coming into the year had a terrific uh, senior season looked good at the shrine game it's got to improve his blocking but I think that'll come uh, in time Jordan Mack is a real good fit middle line uh, inside linebacker former uh, just a tough guy who plays like his hair's on fire a uh, lot a lot a lot of uh undrafted free agents Except for the guys mentioned, I think a lot of them may be looking for work uh, come the beginning of September. Now we'll be back in just a moment to look at the rest of this division's draft picks after this word from our sponsor. Every week gets us just a little closer to live sports, but there are still options for those looking for wagers. While you're waiting and waiting this out at home with us, 
you can still have fun betting at betonline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. But BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. And sports aren't totally done because you still have eSports. Then you also have American Idol, Big Brother, the elections, and BetOnline's $750,000 poker series. Yes, Chris, there is still fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use our promo code, MYPOD100, to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use our promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. The second team we'll cover in this week's episode is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who traded up to the number 13 overall pick. They didn't trade up too far to get Tristan Wirfs, the Iowa offensive tackle. What they saw was, obviously, Andrew Thomas went early to the Giants, and then at pick 10, the Browns selected Jedrick Wills Jr., and at pick 11, the Jets drafted Mekhi Becton, so the Bucks said, okay, you know what, we need to trade up and really secure our guy here. Tristan Wirfs was the number two tackle on my board. I believe he was the number one tackle on Tony's board. So really getting him at pick 13 is a steal. I mean, this is an athletic dude who has capabilities to play left tackle at the NFL level. If he doesn't work out there as a left tackle, you can put him on the right side. You can put him inside to guard. He's just going to be a good player along the offensive line, regardless of what position he settles into. I didn't have to give up a ton to move up and get him. And overall, just did a really nice job securing their guy. They needed a right tackle. They got one of the best right tackles in the draft. I don't know why Tristan Wurst fell the way he did. I think it's a situation where it was paralysis by overanalysis. The film is really good. He was brilliant at the combine. He's got a great amount of upside. I, I mean, the fact that they moved up one spot and gave away nothing to secure the right tackle spot with Tom Brady coming in, I, I think this was a home run selection for the uh, Buccaneers. Now in the second round and third round, Buccaneers had one pick in each round. They went with Antoine Winfield Jr. out of Minnesota, safety cornerback type of player, and then Vanderbilt running back Keyshawn Vaughn in round three. And Winfield is a guy who really burst onto the scene this season. Uh, he's dealt with a lot of injuries throughout his college career, so never really was able to get on the field and fully show his abilities. And boy, did he do that this year. I believe he had seven interceptions this season. I might be one or two off on that. But I mean, this guy is a ball hawk and a playmaker, obviously has NFL bloodlines with his dad being a very good defensive back in the league in the 1990s. So you look at Antoine Winfield Jr. And regardless of whether you play him at safety or you play him at corner, maybe over the slot, this is a guy who is going to make plays on the football, whether it's forcing fumbles, whether it's intercepting passes. He's also a tough guy who's willing to tackle, just gets involved. You know, the only real concern with him his injuries, but he stayed healthy last year, and, and that was what was most important here for his draft stock. Keyshawn Vaughn is a player that I like a lot more than I think a lot of people do. Um, you know, I think he's the guy that can do some work on the inside. He can catch the ball relatively well as well. He's not going to wow you as a receiver or make big plays in the passing game, but he's a solid athlete, good size, enough size to be a three-down back, especially with that receiving ability. Um, so I think he was a worthwhile third-round pick, and I wouldn't say the Bucks are quite throwing in the towel on Ronald Jones, who they selected in round two a couple of years ago, but they may have just found their upgrade and a guy who can contribute a little bit more in the passing game in Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, they're two different types of backs. I mean, uh, Vaughn is more of a bigger, grinded-out type of guy who's going to pick up a lot of yardage off initial contact. He doesn't have the speed uh, or, or the uh, burst of Ronald Jones, but he's a good complementary back. He was one of the few players from Vanderbilt uh, that really lived up to expectations of this season. When you looked at that Vanderbilt offense 
prior to the start of the 2019 season, you thought, wow, with the tight end, with the receiver, with the quarterback coming over from Ball State and Keyshawn Vaughn, they were going to be dynamite. And they all really stunk it up, except for Vaughn. So I think this was a really good selection for them. Good, compl- good player that complements uh, Ronald Jones. Antoine Winfield went right in the middle of round two, where I thought he would. I think he's a guy you can line him up at safety. You can line him up at cornerback. You can line him up as a nickel corner. As we said time and time again, in the league these days, they put three safeties on the field all the time. Now they got Josh, uh, Justin Evans, Mike Edwards, who was one of our favorites from a year ago, and Antoine Winfield. Uh, if he stays healthy and, and basically he continues to be a good football player, which is what he was last year. It wasn't just opportunity. I think uh, this was another outstanding selection by the Buccaneers. Now, no fourth-round picks for Tampa this year, but they had a fifth, a sixth, and two sevenths. In the fifth round, they went with Antoine Winfield's college teammate, Minnesota wide receiver Tyler Johnson. In round six, they went with Nebraska defensive lineman Khalil Davis. In round seven, they took Temple linebacker Chappelle Russell and Louisiana running back Raymond Calais. Uh, Tyler Johnson is a guy who got a lot of love, not in the scouting community, but in the media. Um, you know, a lot of people really like Tyler Johnson. He's a very productive player, a very good receiver, but not particularly big not particularly athletic, and those two things are generally going to hurt your draft stock as an NFL player. We've been talking all season about why we like his game and think he is a solid player and and possibly a guy that can outkick his draft position, which going outside the top 50 certainly gives him the opportunity to do that. He was never going to be a second-day pick like a lot of people viewed him as a prospect. Khalil Davis, we talked to his twin brother, Carlos Davis, over the summer. Khalil had the better season. He went higher in the draft, listed as a nose tackle, on Tampa's ro- roster, but he's more of a you know an athletic gap shooting type of guy than a gap occupier. Uh, he's got short arms. He's not the tallest guy. Those are probably the two biggest knocks on Khalil Davis's game. But an excellent athlete, just like his brother, you know, who could make an impact for Tampa Bay. And then Raymond Calais out of Louisiana. I mean, this is an explosive back. I think he ran about a four four at the combine. Limited receiving work at Louisiana, so you know he'll have to prove that he's able to be a solid receiver in order to legitimately make an NFL roster with with his skill set, considering he is just a small, explosive, big play type of back. But as a seventh-round pick, you know, you can do a lot worse than a player like Collette. You know, I took a lot of heat uh, because I consistently said and rated Tyler Johnson as the last day pick despite the terrific season he had uh, in 2019. I think Tyler Johnson was a bit of his own worst enemy in the lead-up to the draft. He was upset that he didn't get an invite to the Senior Bowl, so he didn't show up at the Shrine game, which he was invited to. There were questions about his speed. He didn't run it. Didn't run the forty at the combine, and then, you know, we saw what happened with the implosion of the pro days due to coronavirus. So, uh, there were things that conspired against him. But Johnson was also his own worst enemy. He's a very good receiver. I think he'll be a good fourth receiver on the uh, depth chart for uh, for the Buccaneers. I don't know that he's going to have a lot of passes thrown in his direction with people like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin playing in front of him. Uh, but again, he went where I thought he would go, and and it was an excellent selection. Khalil Davis is an explosive athlete who I think could grow into a very good two-gap defensive end uh, in the three-man line at Tampa Bay. For Tampa Bay, they have him listed, or I've seen him listed at nose tackle. I don't think that's going to work. You got to kick him to the outside. Uh, a, a discus throwing champion who really, unlike his brother, his game has been on the upswing. He was another guy who really stood out at the Shrine Game practices. We've mentioned a couple of them in past podcasts. Davis was potentially the best or the top uh, defensive lineman that the Shrine game practice really impressed scouts. Chappelle Russell is one of my favorites. And, and I think this is the type of linebacker 
that Todd Bowles is uh, going to have a field day with uh, in Tampa Bay. I think he's a guy who's going to back up his first couple of years. And then in time, as some of these uh, veterans get a little bit pricey, you know, he could eventually develop into a star. It's not going to be uh, for a couple of years down the road, but Chappelle Russell is explosive. He's fast in a straight line as well as laterally, and he is nasty. I mean, he goes after uh, opponents with a viciousness. I was very happy to see him get selected in the draft. Raymond Calais is the best perimeter runner uh, on the depth chart for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. As you mentioned, he's not a great pass catcher, but when you look at it, you know, Ronald Jones is very good around tackle, and he's got the speed and burst to beat defenders into the open field and run to daylight. We mentioned Keyshawn Vaughn before. He's more of a downhill, grinded-out guy. Well, if you're looking for someone to give the ball in space to, for someone who could turn the perimeter and get down the sidelines, that's Raymond Calais. He's got the speed. He's got the agility. You mentioned the time that he ran at the the combine. He plays at a 40 time. Not the biggest guy in the world. Not someone that's going to pick up a lot of yards off initial contact, uh, but really a, a dangerous open field runner. Uh, very effective in space. A couple of UDFAs of note for Tampa that they signed after the draft. Parnell Motley, the cornerback from Oklahoma, good size and speed. Has some ball skills too. I mean, in 2019, not only did he break up 13 passes and have an interception, but he also forced five fumbles. So this is a guy just has a nose for the football. And if that can translate, he has a chance to make the roster. Michael Divinity, linebacker out of LSU, kind of the ideal type of undrafted free agent type of player. He was suspended. I think it was six games this past season for a drug violation has some character questions, but he is an explosive downhill linebacker who, if he focuses on football and kind of gets his head straight and puts all of his issues in the past could definitely make an impact at the bottom of a depth chart for an NFL team. Cam Gill is a guy who I think would have been better off in a four, three, the outside linebacker from Wagner has shown flashes. People keep trying to force him into this three, four type system uh, where he's really better in space uh, but he's got some athleticism. He's got some upside. They signed two intriguing guards, John Mulchin of Boise State, who was really a standout uh, for three years uh, playing uh, playing with Ezra Cleveland, although uh, Mulchin did spend some time at tackle. And keep an eye on Nick Leverett of Rice, uh, a smaller squat, a squatty type of uh, offensive lineman, but a guy who's incredibly effective on his feet, a real good zone blocker, and someone who could surprise and camp this summer. They'll break down both the Falcons and Saints drafts right after this quick break. And we're back here to take a look at what Atlanta was able to accomplish on draft day. Six picks for Atlanta and starting with their first round pick at number 16 overall, a surprise to many, including us, that's Clemson cornerback A.J. Terrell. I mean, Terrell is a good player. He's got good size. He ran well at the combine, which really solidified his draft stock. But seeing him go number 16 overall, we had been hearing that it was the potential situation for him to be the number three corner off the board. I just didn't necessarily expect to see it in the top 20. He's a good player. I had him as more of a late round one type of guy. Not sure he's going to be the man cover corner that you might expect to take in the top half of round one. Overall, he's a good player, but just a little bit surprised with the value on that pick. I I think what happened is when the Jacksonville Jaguars selected CJ Henderson with the ninth pick, it set a lot of things in motion. And that was, Atlanta couldn't move up to get C.J. Henderson, couldn't get Javon Kinlaw, so they went with the next highest-rated cornerback on their board. Uh, And when they took A.J. Terrell, it kind of broke the hearts of the uh, Oakland Raiders. Uh, You know, Terrell is a guy who I would agree with you. I don't think – I I thought where they selected him was a little bit early. I had him as a potential first-round pick coming into the 2019 season. I don't think he really improved his game. 
He's got excellent size. He's got excellent speed. He's flash ball skills. Just a matter of him pulling an uh, entire game together. Now, two picks on the second day for the Falcons. Auburn defensive lineman Marlon Davidson and Temple center Matt Hennessy. And that pick was number 78 overall, one ahead of the New York Jets, who we had reported were targeting Hennessy. So maybe the Falcons are listening to us, or maybe they just really liked Hennessy. And, and there are lots of reasons to like Hennessy. Um, you know, he's a guy, played center at Temple, could play some guard at the NFL level as well, has that versatility along the interior offensive line, moves very well, gets to the second level, can pull out, um, you know, showed out well at the senior bowl. So Hennessy, just a really, really solid pick there in the third round with versatility and movement skills. And then Marlon Davidson is a guy also was at the senior bowl, but we only saw him on the first day because he got hurt. But in that maybe half practice that he was out there, he was great. I mean, he looked unbelievable. He was explosive. He was beating offensive linemen left and right. And this is a guy, you know, you're going to plug him probably in the middle of that 4-3 in Atlanta, play him as a defensive tackle. There are also possibilities of maybe putting him as a two-gap end in more of a 3-4 alignment. Uh, but, you know, Marlon Davidson playing behind Grady Jarrett, playing next to Grady Jarrett. Um, you know, he's a guy that can really make an impact both as a guy, you know, occupying gaps and, and keeping things together and also penetrating the backfield from the inside. He got late first round consideration or he was getting late first round consideration and, and conversation in the week leading up to the draft. It didn't happen. I think where they selected him was uh, right where Davison should go. I think the fact that they're going to use him at defensive tackle uh, as a pass rushing defensive tackle, as a one gap defensive tackle is a terrific fit for him. I thought overall this was really good value uh, for the Falcons, as was Matt Hennessy, who the Falcons took uh, in the middle of round three. I mean, I had mentioned all along that the Jets uh, liked Matt Hennessy. There was some talk that Denver was trying to trade up and get Matt Hennessy. Well, uh, Matt Hennessy was off the board uh, when the Falcons took him. They got an aging Alex Mack there. They did draft Chris Lindstrom at guard last year. Hennessy's a guy who can play both – can play either center or guard. You know, one of their guards is James Carpenter, of the, uh, formerly of the New York Jets and Seattle Seahawks. He's a guy who's also at the end of his rope. So I think uh, they got a lot of options with Hennessy to fit him in at either left guard or center, and he's a guy who will only get better as he gets bigger and physically matures. Now, three more picks only for Atlanta. Only had six picks – in this year's draft, two of them in the fourth round. The first one went to Fresno State linebacker Michael Walker, another friend of the show who we spoke to this offseason. Jalen Hawkins, the safety out of Cal, was the second fourth-round pick at number 134 overall. And then no picks in rounds five or six. But in the seventh round, the Falcons selected Syracuse punter Sterling Hoffrichter. Uh, Michael Walker is a guy – I mean, if you go back and listen to our interview with him, he's a really interesting guy because not only did he start his career at Azusa Pacific – before going to Fresno State, where his father played football, but he played several different positions for the Bulldogs. He's a good athlete at 230 pounds, kind of going to fit in here as more of a middle linebacker, weak side linebacker type of player, but he does have experience as a 3-4 outside linebacker as well. He's really played all over the field, um, so that versatility will be a nice addition to the Falcons defense. Jalen Hawkins, average size, average athlete, compared to his teammate Ashton Davis, who is the better athlete, Jalen Hawkins, as we've said on this podcast, probably the better football player, very good working downhill, might end up being a replacement actually for Keanu Neal, who's coming off an injury last season and is in the final year of his contract. If Neal doesn't bounce back strong, you might see Jalen Hawkins as a starter for the Falcons as early as 2021. Yeah, Hawkins went a little bit earlier than I expected. I was glad to see him get drafted. Uh, and you said it. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he was a more consistent playmaker. Then Ashton, uh, Ashton Davis doesn't have the speed of Ashton Davis, but he's got a real good head. He's very instinctive. 
Michael Walker, I'll be interested to see how they use him. I mean, they use their linebackers in different sorts of sets at Atlanta, but still, he's athletic. He's fast. He can make plays in both the straight line as well as laterally, which Atlanta wants their linebackers to do. Now, after the draft, Atlanta did pick up a couple pieces as well. First one is Jalen McCleskey, small explosive slot receiver out of Tulane, formerly at Oklahoma State, where he actually had over 800 yards receiving in 2016. Career kind of went downhill from there, a little bit plateaued, but a guy, if you can get him back to that prior level, maybe he can end up making a roster for you. And we talked before about Keyshawn Vaughn being kind of one of the players that, well, really the only player, not one of, the only player who survived what happened at Vanderbilt this season, which was just I, just a tragedy. I mean, everything that went on there, especially after we kind of hyped them up over the summer. But the Falcons signed Jared Pinckney, the Vanderbilt tight end, who just, you know, again, bad season, had a terrible combine, really just kind of a guy who just looked disinterested at every step of the way this year. Not a surprise that he fell out of the draft, but just kind of crazy for a guy that, you know, had some day two hype heading into the season, and, and now it's just a complete afterthought. Which Jared Pinckney or they, did they get? <laughs> did they get the guy? If they got the guy uh, that we saw on film in 2018, they got a number two tight end who could eventually develop into a number one tight end. If they got, if Jared Pinckney from 2019 shows up in the Falcons camp this summer, he's going to get cut in August. I mean, he, he's based, it, they'll struggle to bring him back on the practice squad. I was glad to see they signed a guy by the name of Austin Caps, who I've got a. Uh, a scouting report on at pro football network. He was not highly considered in the scout in the scouting community, but he's got decent size. He's fundamentally sound. Uh, he's a tough uh, player who can back up at guard or center. Doesn't have a great upside, uh, but he's someone who understands the position. Ray Wilborn, a ball state linebacker. Again, sort of like what the Falcons want. Athletic can make plays sideline to sideline covers a good amount of area on the field. Now, an interesting draft for the Saints here, the final team in the division. They only had four draft picks, just as a result of trades and really moving around the board. At number 24, this was a pick that they actually stood pat in, and they drafted Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, a guy who was number one on both mine and Tony's interior offensive line board heading into the season. They're actually probably going to use him at guard because they already have Eric McCoy entrenched at center. A big reason they didn't have their second-round pick this year is because they used it to trade up last year for McCoy. Um, but Ruiz now with Larry Warford being cut is going to jump right into the starting lineup at guard. I mean, this is a guy who moves extremely well. He is such a smooth mover on the inside of the offensive line. He can get outside tackle. He can get to the second level plus with good tenacity as well. Really just a complete player who a lot of people were sleeping on throughout the draft process. But if you were listening to our podcast. You were not sleeping on Cesar Ruiz. Listen, I had Ruiz graded as a first round pick as far back as last, uh, last October. And when others were saying he was a last day pick, I, I like the pick, but my, my issue with the selection is this Caesar Ruiz is a terrific center and they're going to move him to guard. And, you know, I, I, I kind of have a, a, a problem or a hang up with that. Uh, I like the player. I just don't like moving him out of his position because he was so dominant uh, on the inside. Didn't have the second round pick, as Chris said. They come back in round three and select uh, Zach Bond, the outside linebacker, who a lot of people thought was first round material. I never thought that about Bond. I thought he was out of place last year in Wisconsin's 3 4. People talked about him as being a great edge rusher. I never saw him as a great edge rusher. Uh, when we were at the senior bowl practices, I mean, this guy struggled. He was getting stomped in coverage, uh, in, in coverage drills where we thought most people thought he would have stood out. I mean, he was he couldn't get his head back around. He was chasing tight ends down the field, just seemed out of sorts. Uh, 
what it is with Zach Bond is he's a good athlete who's got to find his way on the field or find the find the spot for him uh, uh, on the field. I think the uh, Saints four three system really suits him, but he's going to have to start to translate that athleticism into football ability. He's going to really have to improve his coverage, uh, or he's going to have to improve his play in coverage. Uh, and if if he does that, the uh, Saints got a real good uh, selection there. Otherwise, I never thought there were any short things with Zach Bond. I was never sold on him being a, uh, a first-round choice. I was never sold on him being a good edge rusher. And sure enough, you know, unlike Cesar Ruiz, who they're going to move out of position, I think with Zach Bond, they drafted a guy that really fits the position they want him to play. Yeah, I mean, if you look up, you know, the definition of the word tweener in the dictionary in terms of what he was asked to do in college, you might find a photo of Zach Bond because, you know, he's a guy that he doesn't have that elite edge ability because as we saw in Mobile, it just, it's just not there for him. And that he was used like that at Wisconsin. He was productive at Wisconsin too, which I think misled a lot of people to think he was something that he isn't. He's going to be an off-ball linebacker in New Orleans, as you said, and, and that's probably his best fit at the NFL level. You know, he'll be able to rush the passer a little bit. Um, he's going to have to improve in coverage though. You know, he didn't have the same senior role or just kind of pre-draft experience that a guy like Josh Uche did. Um, you know, a guy that was primarily used as a pass rusher at Michigan, but showed the versatility to be able to be used as an off-ball linebacker to scrape back and forth to excel in coverage. Uh, Bond didn't really do that. He didn't take advantage of that opportunity like Uche did, which again is why he went about 14 picks later in the draft. Now the Saints did have another third round pick. They traded their fourth round pick, their fifth round pick, their sixth round pick, and their seventh round pick for this guy. So they really like him. And you know what? We really like him too. And that's Dayton tight end. Adam Troutman, a guy, another guy we spoke with in the lead up to the draft. I think it was back in February. I listened to Adam, um, you know, on our, on our show with him. He's a confident guy. He knows what he's able to do. He doesn't care that he went to Dayton and, you know, he went to the senior bowl and he showed that he fit right in, uh, posted one of the better agility times that you see at the tight end position. He's not that fast. He's not a straight line burner, but he's more than athletic enough. And he has more than enough size to be a true every down tight end. Obviously, New Orleans has Jared Cook in tow right now, but this is the final year of his contract. So I think they're really looking for Troutman to take over as their starter in 2021. Good, good fit for uh, the, the Saints and Troutman, a guy who's going to not really be asked to come in and, and do a lot as a rookie, uh, can learn behind some seasoned veterans, and down the road he's going to be a starter. Plays faster than his 40 time, You know, came to the senior ball and really just impressed every single day as a pass catcher and as a blocker. I would highly recommend to uh, Saint fans that you go back and you listen to our uh, podcast with Adam Troutman because you're going to fall in love with them even uh, even more. I thought this is good value. This fits a need, and they got a real good player at the position. Now, only one third-day pick for the Saints, so we'll just group them in with the undrafted free agents here because he was drafted at number 240 overall in the seventh round, and that's Mississippi State quarterback Tommy Stevens, a guy played at Penn State previously. You know, not necessarily a true quarterback obviously the Saints have you know Taysom Hill on the roster a guy that they've used in a bunch of different ways you know you wonder if they have similar plans for a guy like Tommy Stevens a lot of people talked about maybe moving Tommy Stevens to tight end at the NFL level because you know he's big he's athletic but he is just an erratic and streaky passer and that's at you know kind of his peak he's just not the kind of quarterback that you expect to thrive at the NFL level but the Saints obviously have some sort of plan for him. So we'll see if, you know, what happens as far as whether he just makes the practice squad or whether he makes the roster and they have any sort of use for him with Jameis Winston there as well. Really does seem like he's going to be destined for the practice squad unless there's a position change in order. A couple guys they signed after the draft. And, you know, again, this is a situation where a team doesn't have many picks 
the Saints are not like most teams that have holes. Um, you know, on their roster, they are a very solid team top to bottom. But some of these guys could end up making the team as number 52, number 53. Juwan Johnson is one of them, a wide receiver out of Oregon, just like Tommy Stevens used to play at Penn State. A lot of talk about making him a move tight end leading up to the draft. He's a very big guy. You know, he ran all right at the combine. He's a decent enough athlete. His numbers weren't tragic. They weren't, you know, Quintez Cephas levels or anything like that. But Johnson is a guy who really just needs to get his game back on track, whether he's a receiver, whether he's a tight end, doesn't really matter. Joe Bocci is a guy. Tony had graded way higher than an UDFA. I think Tony might have even had graded as a second-day pick. He can correct me if I'm wrong on a minute here. But, you know, he was suspended for PEDs during the season, cut his season short, still ended up making the honorable mention all Big Ten team despite playing about half a season. Um, he's a bit small, but he's a good tackler with good instincts. At the very worst, I mean, this is a guy who's going to be great on special teams for New Orleans. And I think for an undrafted linebacker, there's a lot of upside in a guy like Joe Bocci. I had Bocci as a fourth rounder and mark my words, he will make the active roster. He's a great fit at middle linebacker. He is a guy who ran faster than anyone expected at the combine. Scouts thought he was a four, eight guy. He ran the high four sixes. You watch the Bocci film the past two years. He is someone who makes as many plays with his head and his instincts as he does uh, with his athleticism. He's constantly around the action. He's one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, maybe, I, I mean, obviously I overgraded him in large part because sentim sentimentally I just thought he was a gr an outstanding uh, linebacker. I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the uh, active day roster uh, for the uh, Saints. They selected Calvin Throckmorton, the guy who can play guard, tackle, or center. Uh, you mentioned uh, Juwan Johnson. I got to say one thing. I'm really shocked that at no point in the draft and really in free agency did the Saints attack the wide receiver position harder. I mean, they got Michael Thomas there. They signed Emmanuel Sanders uh, as an undrafted free agent. You know, after that, Austin Carr, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, while I like a lot of their picks, I just think the fact, I, I think they missed uh, on receivers considering that it was such a need at the position. And when you looked at the depth at the position, how many players were available and they really have not, did not improve that spot at all uh, during a draft. That's it for the 137th episode of the Draft Analyst presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter. And we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll take you through the final two divisions, both the AFC and NFC West, team by team, when we return next week. But in the meantime... On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night.